Welcome to Getting Behind the Desk, the 12-episode podcast series about the past, present, and future of broadcast journalism. Your host, John Dills, a senior mass communications major at Piedmont University, is going to explore topics relating to what broadcast has grown to be and what we can expect in the future. Broadcast journalism has a rich history in the state of Georgia. I recently spoke to Mr. Sanders Hickey. Mr. Hickey owns multiple radio stations. What originally sparked your interest as well in as broadcast? John, I've never wondered what I wanted to do for a living, and that goes back to. Yeah, I was thinking about this uh, as recently as this past uh, weekend. Somebody asked me to provide a professional bio, and it, it seemed like I was seven or eight years old, and we had friends who uh, owned the big top 40. Radio station in Columbus, Georgia, the town that I grew up in, and uh, I had the opportunity to go and visit. I was intrigued by the whole idea, mostly because you could uh, actually see what was going on to create what I was able to hear at home or in the car or wherever. And so the owner of the radio station said, uh, well, "Go back there and look through the window and just watch what goes on." And um, it was WDAK in Columbus, Georgia. And uh, the radio station was in an old antebellum home that had been retrofitted to an elegant radio station with state-of-the-art equipment for 1967, 68, I guess, was the year. And um, so I was able to sit there and watch uh, through the window and see what the on-air personality was doing, loading all the equipment, getting records ready to play, getting commercials ready to play. And I could hear just the thump of the music coming through the window. But then uh, it got very quiet, except for this little speaker behind me out in the hallway. And so I could hear exactly what was on the air at the time. And then I saw his lips move. And then I heard what was being said in that room in front of me on the other side of the glass through the little speaker above me in the hallway, and I was just struck. I, I thought, this is magic. I'll never completely understand how this works, but I'm watching it happen. And the guy on the air was having the time of his life. And from then on, John, I was smitten. And I've never looked back. I've always sort of wondered how you can talk into a microphone in one room, and miles away, somebody can hear that. And I'm not engineer enough to understand exactly how that works. I guess I've never asked the right questions. And if I was, I'm, if I did, I'm not sure I'm smart enough to understand the answer all these years later. But I absolutely love with a passion this business and how it works and how it affects people. That's wonderful. I'm sure for you as, as you were growing up, like being able to see that at your local radio station that was just like the icing on the cake for it it was just incredible um there there are people who i knew growing up who as late as college some after college didn't know exactly what their career path was going to look like and i knew in grammar school it was it was ridiculous and i laughed to laugh about it to this day and looking back it was such a gift you really picked that pathway and followed through with it. That's crazy and wonderful. I I knew from a young age that I wanted to pursue journalism and being able to know that from a young age and kind of develop that as I was growing, that 
I feel like that was really important to me as well. My next question, the first radio station in Georgia was quite possibly WSB in Atlanta. What was the other station that was so close to being the first radio station in the state? Well, the other one was WGST, and uh, WSB was owned by the Atlanta newspapers, uh, the Atlanta Journal and the Atlanta Constitution, and uh, they pushed to be the very first uh, station on the air with commercial radio. And the Atlanta Journal hired uh, a couple of engineers, George Eiler and Walter Tyson, to start a station for the newspaper. And in those days, that was sort of unheard of. And in mid-March of 1922, they called uh, Gordon Height, who lived in Rome, Georgia, who sold them a transmitter just in time to make radio history in Georgia. Um, they moved this transmitter to uh, Forsyth Street, which was the site of the Atlanta Journal building at the time, and they strung a wire antenna across two wooden masts on the roof of the building. And Georgia's first uh, radio station was licensed and on the air as WSB. And it signed on at a roaring 100 watts of power, which is just absurd, but 100 watts of power. And it became Georgia's very first radio station, commercial radio station. So these two stations, how have they shaped what is now the current standard for radio in the state of Georgia? Well, until those days, uh, all of media was print. It was the fourth estate. And... Um, it was, it was the most prominent way of communicating to the masses. And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, this thing called radio came along, which made uh, communication more portable um, to, the, to the sense that uh, it was more widely available to these massive uh, radio receivers. They were about the size of a piece of furniture that people put in their homes. And uh, it took a while for them to become more prominent, but they were available. And it was not uncommon for neighbors uh, in various neighborhoods to go over to a particular home of someone who actually had a, a radio receiver. As again, this, this, this big, massive wooden piece of furniture. Um, and uh, stand around and, and listen, and they would listen to newscasts, and they would listen to uh, sporting events, and they would listen to whatever came out. Uh, all these radio stations in those days uh, began to realize that it was as much, uh, it was certainly information primarily, but then entertainment could come along, and WSB had a performing studio uh, ultimately, and so they would bring in bands, and they would bring in choirs, and they would bring in uh, uh, ministers, and uh, all of a sudden this variety of programming uh, appeared on the radio, and they were sort of making it up as, as they went. It's wonderful that radio was introduced and in such a time of need for information, too, and that it was able to provide not only information, but entertainment. I think it's wonderful that it was, you know. Well, it was interesting because it, it came along after World 
War One, before the Depression and before World War Two. So it, it settled into place, and it it was in a position once it began to get its feet under it to be able to um, to be able to disseminate news when the Depression came along, and when there was news of the fact that there may be uh, another uh, another world war, a continent, an ocean, and a continent away, and then ultimately two continents away. Um, but radio played an enormous role in keeping people informed in those days, and there was a there was a very genuine, deliberate uh, philosophy in those days of making sure that the news was just that. It was the news. It was not opinion. Um, it, it, the, the, the newscasters were very uh, formal. Uh, they were they stuck to the facts with with no advocacy involved whatsoever. And in the sense, it was radio in its purest form, and it came at a time when it could invent itself um, without the pressures that we've certainly come to know over the last. Uh, 50 years, certainly the last 25 or 30 years, which has made it even more crazy. But um, in, in those days, a, a, a very influential medium was allowed to get its feet, get its footing, and to create itself in a, in a way that mattered and made a dramatic difference in the lives of people in this country. That's wonderful that it could be there, especially during such an important time in everyone's life that was living through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's fun to walk through my home. I've I've got some older I've got some older um uh receivers that I've just sort of collected and they've become sort of uh dust catchers if you will. <laughs> um but it's it's fun to look back and see that. You know, following WSB in nineteen twenty two, there were five other radio stations, four of which served the Atlanta area. Uh, that sort of came on behind WSB. There was WAAS in Decatur. There was WGM in Atlanta. That later became WGST. And all this happened within a few weeks of each other. Um, and of course, WGST stands for Georgia School, uh, sorry, Georgia Institute of Technology, which as we know is Georgia Tech. And um, then came WDAJ in College Park. It was WDAW in Atlanta, WGAV in Savannah, which is outside, obviously outside the um, uh, Atlanta metro. Then came Thomasville, uh, followed by um, stations in Savannah, WTOC, WMAZ in Macon is a very historic set of call letters, WRDW in Augusta. WRBL in Columbus, which was uh, a set of call letters and a radio station my family was associated with as I was growing up. And um, then Rome came along with WRGA, still very prominent call letters in northwest Georgia that does news and talk covering Floyd County in northwest Georgia now. And then Tacoa up north of Gainesville is WTFI a station that ultimately moved into Athens. Um, so uh, radio was proliferated uh, pretty quickly. Um, 
during the during the years following WSB's high of, of sign on in 1922. I just want to mention that it was very impressive that you knew all of the call letters for all of the stations. That was <laughs> <laughs> I was listening. I was like, that is very impressive. <laughs> well, you know, I, as I said, it's it's been a lifelong love, and uh, I, I wear the badge of being a radio geek very efficiently, affectionately. Well, that is wonderful. So, with full certainty, we can say that WSB TV was the first broadcast television station in the state, originally airing on Channel Eight in nineteen forty eight. This station was the southernmost station in the country at the time. And these call letters originated from the radio station, and the call letters mean, Welcome South, brother. Right. So looking at the rich history of this station, did you think that it would lead to such a success of what it is now? You know, that is, that is such an interesting question for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, how do I say it? Atlanta is certainly one of the most prominent, if not one of the most, if not the most influential city in the southeastern part of America. And over the years, it's become a very um, transit, transient city. Uh, it's rare to find native Atlantans anymore, and it has been increasingly so. Uh, over the last 20 and 25 years. If you find a native Atlanta, uh, that person's worth sitting down and having a real conversation with. But they're far and few between. Which makes it interesting to me and other people in our business uh, to realize the prominence with which WSB television has maintained its dominance over all of the years. Yes, it was the first TV station in the state. Um, you know, it, it signed on in 1948. But uh, to this day, if I'm not mistaken, it has been the number one rated television station in the city of Atlanta since the very beginning. And if I'm wrong about that, I can easily say that it has certainly been the GOAT. It's been the greatest of all time here. Uh, if there have been some dips and weaves and so forth in its ratings performance, but it is a remarkable story. And the reason why it has is because it has reflected Atlanta, its culture, its growth. It's been a tremendous uh, supporter and advocate for Atlanta through some of the craziest times any city anywhere in, the, in America could have been. Um, it, it has been courageous. It has stood in the uh, spotlight and reported some of Georgia's proudest times and candidly some of Georgia's least proudest uh, times, but it's done it with distinction. Yeah, that's for sure. WSB has such a rich history in Atlanta that it's just, it's known for in other states, like outside of Georgia, as being there for the state and in the good and the bad. And it's just remarkable to me, everything that that station has been able to accomplish, especially coming from radio, going into television too. It's 
amazing. You know, uh, television grew pretty slowly uh, in, the, in the state of Georgia uh, between 1948 and 1956. Only 14 commercial stations uh, existed in the state of Georgia. Uh, WSB signed on in 1948. Then WAGA TV, which is Fox 5 now, uh, signed on a year later in 1949. Channel 11's original call letters were WLTV. Um, they later changed call letters to WXIA. It signed on in 1951. But then behind that, uh, Rome had its own television station which signed on in 1953, but then it moved its city of license to Chattanooga and became WTVC in Chattanooga in 1958. Um, but then behind that came um, Macon, and then Macon Columbus signed on two TV stations in, uh, 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 make that three TV stations in the next two years. Um, so, in total, uh, we only had 14 commercial television stations in the state between 1948 and 1956. That's crazy to think about, like, how radio just kind of boomed and it was so popular. And, of course, television was popular as well, but it didn't explode in every area of the state the way that radio did. Growing up in rural Northeast Georgia, I grew up in Raven County. Um, there wasn't very many radio stations that we could get at my house. So as I got older, there was more, which a lot of people are saying like radio is dead, but it's very much not. It's very much still growing. And like me experiencing radio stations broadcasting farther distances and there being growth for those stations that's proof that it is not dying well i will tell you this um radio still reaches over 90 percent of everyone over the age of 12 years old in uh 2022 on february 1st 2022 amfm radio still reaches over 90 percent of everyone over the age of 12 years old in this country um, in various time spent listening degrees. Uh, part of my career was spent with the, it's now called Nielsen Audio, but in my day it was called the Arbitron Ratings Company. It was one of the most fascinating, fascinating experiences I would have ever hoped to have. And uh, it was the only time in my life when I ever got up and did anything in the morning other than go to work at crafting the best radio stations I've ever known how to do, and that was to go to work for the ratings company. And I did that uh, very deliberately because I wanted to understand all I could about our medium from the both the 30,000-foot level as well as the granular level to each individual listener's habit. And um, I, I, I can tell you that the single most personal meaningful, and this is, this is not emotion, me trying to convince me of this, it's a fact, the single most personal emotional medium that exists still to this day is between a person and that person's 
choice of his first preference radio station because it's not just the music, but it's what that person gets in addition to the music that enriches or helps them lead their life on a daily basis. Um, and uh, it's remarkable that with all the platforms, every way that people now can consume audio, either spoken word or music, that AMFM radio still is as dominant as it is, uh, despite Spotify, despite Sirius XM radio, despite um, some of the other platforms that are available, all of the platforms that, uh, that, that help you amalgamate uh, the, the number of online uh, 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 listening options that you have, we still are the single biggest go-to source for when it matters. So I kind of got off of the topic I was heading to, but someone that is very influential to me specifically um, would be Monica Pearson, and she was the first African-American woman in the state of Georgia to be a broadcast television journalist. We spoke on the phone recently, and you told me that you had recently spoken to Monica Pearson. So what can you share with me about her story and about her story of being possibly one of the most influential broadcasters of the state? Easily so. Oh, Monica. Monica Pearson is a jewel. She is a treasure. She is everything that's good about broadcasting uh, radio or television. And at 75 years young, she is, she is a force of nature and someone for whom I have enormous respect. Um, any opportunity that I have to be around or with her, I'm always amazed at uh, her, her, the, the, the quality of person, quality of character, and the polish of her broadcast craft is just absolutely remarkable. You know, um, she was, she started in, she started in Louisville, Kentucky, in the newspaper business. Okay. She was working for the Louisville Times newspaper. And shortly after that, still in Louisville, she joined WHAS Television, which was her first opportunity in the TV. She did that for three years as a reporter and later became an anchor there. And um, she ultimately wound up moving to Atlanta. And uh, she joined WSB, I want to say, 30 years ago, perhaps. Um, and she made instant eye contact with the city of Atlanta. And that meant everyone from the governor to the person who ran a shop on the corner. And uh, her, her ability to communicate and to develop a relationship through the eye of the camera is just extraordinary. Just absolutely amazing. She retired back in 2012. I think she's been retired now for about 10 years. But she's not gone away. I mean, right after she retired, uh, she went back and got her um, 
advanced degree from the University of Georgia, graduated summa cum laude uh, from the Grady College of uh, Mass Communications and Journalism here in Athens. And um, she, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling. I mean, she's, she's been, she has been honored in so many ways by so many people. She's taken part in the summer program for minority groups uh, at Graduate School of Journalism at Columbia University in New York City. Uh, since she retired, as I mentioned, she graduated cum laude from the University of Georgia. Uh, she's taught at the Atlanta Metropolitan State College. She writes a column for Southern Seasons Magazine. And um, she is a member of the Georgia Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame, which uh, I'm delighted to be able to share that distinction with her. Uh, she, she just makes that induction even more special. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, here she is at 75 years old, and she has just signed a new deal, a two-year deal, to host two programs for CBS 46, WGCL-TV, and Peachtree TV uh, in Atlanta, uh, beginning this month, as a matter of fact, February 2022. One of the programs will be an interview-themed series, and um, so it'll be interesting to see where this goes, and uh, I'm certain that she will uphold that standard of journalism that she's so highly regarded for. What an amazing career that she has had, and as someone who was very influenced by her as a broadcaster at a young age, it's very exciting for me to see her going back and doing more after she's went into retirement it's just so exciting to me and i i love it really honestly i'm delighted to do it and i'm, I'm flattered and i'm grateful for the opportunity i wish you well and uh, i look forward to following following your career i want to thank mr sanders hickey for joining me today on this episode of getting behind the desk as you can see, broadcast journalism has a rich history in the state of Georgia. Thank you for listening to Getting Behind the Desk with John Dills. Look for a new episode each week highlighting different perspectives of broadcast journalism from the past, present, or future.